Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and all of our uh, just volunteers who came in and set up free. We're so glad that you're here with us today, especially if you are a guest with us for the very first time. If you're a guest, I always invite our guests to come at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why, because I know that when you go to a new place, whether it's a restaurant or, a, you know, you're checking out a new place or a new church, you don't always get the, really the, the full experience the first time. And so I would just encourage you, come back at least three times, check it out. We, uh, we hope that you enjoy it. Also want to welcome for the very first time our Facebook Live audience. We started streaming live today. Come on, make it up. Make some noise. Give it up to all of our, uh, those watching online on the World Wide Web. Do we even say that anymore? The World Wide Web? That doesn't even make any sense. So anyway, so you're on Facebook, and uh, we're so glad that you joined with us today, and uh, it's going to be awesome. We're in the middle of a series called Overwhelmed, and uh, if you are on Facebook, go ahead and check in right now. Just take your phone out. Can I use my phone in church? Yes, yes, you can. So go ahead and check in. Let people know you are here at Rise, and uh, we've, I've heard great stories how that kind of creates conversation and lets people know you go to church while they're at the, the beach or something. Anyway, so uh, so glad that you're here with us today. If you have your Bibles, Ezekiel chapter 4. 47, Ezekiel chapter 47 is where we're going to be. We're in the middle of a series, kind of wrapping it up today, called Overwhelmed. And, and the reason why we did that is because, you know, I'm a pastor and I meet with a lot of people. And the truth is, you and I can feel overwhelmed in this life. Isn't that true? You might feel overwhelmed right now. If you feel overwhelmed right now, raise your hand. Come on, even online, Facebook, there you go, raise your hand. Okay. If you don't feel overwhelmed right now, guess what? Give it five minutes and go out and get in traffic. You will feel overwhelmed. Because life is like that. We feel overwhelmed sometimes. And so God has something to say about that. You are not designed to live a life just consistently stressed out, consistently overwhelmed, and feel like you're in over your head. And so I want, uh, we, we really wanted to talk about that. In week one, we talked about how um, really the first step for us to getting out of our overwhelmed feelings is to not give up by focusing on the eternal. It's kind of that same principle that when you drive a car where your eyes go, you go. And we want to make sure we're looking at the right things, focusing on the eternal things of life, pray, serve, give. The second week, we talked about how really it's how our thoughts are. The second step is we must think right. Everybody say think. Yeah, we must think right. We have to have good thoughts. And it's not, you know, spiritual mumbo jumbo. It's not self-help guru stuff. It's like, no, Bible says how you think, so are you. You must think properly so that you act properly and you can really become self-fulfilling prophecy in your life. And then week three, last week, I wasn't here. Uh, Pastor Jason spoke and gave you guys kind of an idea of what it's like to have good, healthy rhythms for your kids. And it was so good. I mean, I, I listened to it. It's such a great message. And I hope you really took notes. But today we're going to wrap it up uh, and we're going to talk about really, I think, a great final step. And I've been preparing this honestly for four weeks. When I first started this series, I felt like God spoke to me and said, I needed to close this series off with this message. And so this has been crock-potted for four weeks, been marinating, been cooking. Y'all ready to eat it? Let's do it. Ezekiel chapter 47. And so here's, before we read that, I want to give you some context to really what Ezekiel is. Ezekiel uh, is what I would consider to be one of the most complicated books in all of Scripture. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of what we call the major prophets. There's major prophets and minor prophets inside of Scripture or uh, books, what we call books of the Bible. And uh, the only difference between major and a minor is the, 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 the length. So if you're a minor, you just wrote little. If you wrote a lot, you were a major prophet. How many of y'all would feel bad? Like, man, I should have wrote more. I could have been a major. Anyway, so... Um, he, he winds up being a major prophet, Ezekiel, and um, the book of Ezekiel is complicated because it's full of thematic imagery, it's full of poetry, it's full of visions and prophecy, and if you're not versed, look, I've been teaching the Bible for almost two decades, it's hard, it's an, it's a, it's an interesting book. If you're a new Christian, I would never send you that. In fact, if you're a 30, been walking with Jesus maybe since Moses was on the earth, I'd be careful with reading this scripture too. It's, it's unique, and I'm not saying don't do it, but read it with the right, you have to read it in a different context, in a different way. But Ezekiel 47, I'm going to give you some context of the scripture. 
The book starts off with uh, Ezekiel. He was kind of a priest slash prophet uh, during the, the, the kind of the reign of Jerusalem, during the time when the Babylonian Empire started to take over the city of Jerusalem. It's about 597 BC. And you see inside scripture, he gets kind of exiled with parts of the, the people in Jerusalem and he gets by a river. And the Bible says that he has a kavod. Everybody say kavod. Yeah, it's like a Hebrew word for a vision or like an image of God, this kind of connection, this encounter with God. And he's about 30 years old at the time, and he sits there, and he starts to see all these visions. And the Bible starts to speak through Ezekiel, uh, or God starts to speak through the Ezekiel inside of Scripture. And in the first part, it's kind of God's warning and accusation saying, look, you better stop pre- uh, serving these false gods. It's kind of like, dude, you better stop this. There's one real God. You know it. You better calm down or something bad's going to happen. And he starts talking to the children of Israel. Then he starts warning and accusing the nations around him. And then in chapter 33, Jerusalem actually falls. He gets a messenger that comes and tells him the city of Jerusalem has actually fallen and been taken over by the Babylonian Empire. And then the Bible switches to where God starts to give prophecy of hope to the children of Israel, hope to, or the nation of Israel, the nation from Jerusalem. And it starts giving hope to the nations that are around him. Like, you can do it if you would just change your ways. And then it gets all the way into the end of the book, kind of near chapter 47. And he, he has a specific vision and prophecy. And some scholars debate on what it is. But I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to give you just kind of some interpretation. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 3. Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. We're all caught up. All right. So he says this, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me to the water that was ankle deep. Pause for just a second. This vision starts off with him being kind of on a tour by a tour guide. And the tour guide is showing him a river that's coming out of the temple. This is in his prophecy. This is in his vision. And the tour guide's leading him into the water. So he starts with his ankles. Then the man went eastward measuring a line in his hand and he measured off a thousand cubits. Okay, that's right. We already did that. Verse four, he says, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was needy. Ever say knees? Okay, so he started his ankles. Now he's deeper into the water at his knees. Then he, he goes on and he goes, he measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was to their waist. Everybody say waist. So now he's in even a little bit deeper. And he goes on and he says, and he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough for him to swim in a river that no one could cross. So he got in so far that now he's able to swim and he's in over his head. Now, most scholars have two viewpoints on this prophecy. One, some set of scholars and Bible teachers believe this is a literal prophecy of what's going to happen at the end of days. Like when God comes back and Jesus comes back and he just starts doing extreme home makeover on the world and he kicks the devil out and lets him know who's boss. And then he starts reigning and establishing that there's going to be levels of God's spirit poured out. And then there's another branch of Christianity or, or really scholars who Bible, again, it's complicated and it's, a, it's an imagery and it's prophecy, but there's a whole other set of scholars who believe that it's more symbolic in nature and it kind of um, shows us what it's like from different people entering into the, into the presence of God because water inside of all of scripture always had a representation of the presence of God or your life with God. And so uh, for us today, we're going to use that as a backdrop of what I really feel like will be the best way for us to take a next step out of being overwhelmed. And so if you're taking notes today, the title of the message today is, I'm in over my head. Everybody say, I'm in over my head. That's where I want you to be. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm just honored to be here and speak on behalf of your word and your kingdom, your church with for your people. We just pray that you would be lifted up and that, Holy Spirit, you would speak today in the ways that you maybe have never have. That, God, after this message, we would be galvanized as a church to know our purpose and our place. God, give us clear steps of what we need to do and take after this message in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. 
How many of you have been white water rafting? Raise your hand, white water rafting. All right. If you don't know what white water rafting, it is not floating. Because out here in Texas, you get on a river and then you jump on like one of those donut shaped tubes. And then you have like a, uh, like a cooler next to you with your water and your snacks or whatever. And then you got your hat. And then you kind of all link up and then you just float down the river. That is not whitewater rafting. And uh, I, 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 I'm an experienced guy. And anytime I read scripture that mentions rivers, it mentions, it reminds me of this moment uh, several years back when my wife took me whitewater rafting for my birthday. I'm an experienced guy. Again, I love to do things and try new things out. And we used to live in California. And Northern California is a place called Humboldt County where they invented granola and everybody out there is organic. And they, you know, they grow things that people use. And so they do things out there. And, uh, and so it's an interesting place. And, um, but we went out there because it's one of the best places for in the, all the country to do kind of whitewater rafting. And so we went out there and I wanted to do whitewater rafting. I asked my, my wife and she's like, sure, babe, let's do that. So we, we scheduled our, our, our time and we get out there and I get out onto the water and we're getting out there and I see this guy kind of in the corner of my eye and he's under this tree and he looks kind of disheveled, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's kind of an interesting guy. And he doesn't look like he's showered in several days and he, he's got interesting hair. They, they're kind of dreadlocky, you know, and doesn't look like he's, he's really uh, been around, you know, normal society. He's kind of talking to himself a little bit. He's, he's literally eating granola under a tree next to a river. I'm like, this is the picture of Humboldt County. And so uh, I'm like, and so he starts walking towards our group because we need our guide to lead the whitewater rafting trip. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on something like this, but that starts to freak you out a little bit when you pay money to something that could potentially be dangerous, and then somebody walks up and says, I'm your guide that looks like that. That doesn't give you very much confidence, right? And so he walks up, and he's like, what's up, everybody? He doesn't got a shirt on. He's got shorts that are super short. They're called jorts, right? They're jorts. They're jeans that are cut, right? Jorts, and so he walks up, and he's got no shoes on, and he look, you know, he's just, he's kind of got an interesting and unique smell, and and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know about this. My wife's like, it's gonna be okay, and he goes, I'm your guide today, and uh, my name is Sequoia. I'm not even kidding you, y'all. His name was Sequoia. I'm like, that's a tree. So Sequoia is like, I'm going to be leading you today. And he starts walking through all of these points by points of what it's going to be like to whitewater raft. And so I'm nervous, but we get on the water and we start going down the raft. And honestly, it was really fun. We hit some turns and hit some twists, you know, add some. I picked not the baby one because you can get different classes of whitewater rafting. And because I'm a man, I picked the big one. I said, where's like the beginner level? And they're like, you know, the class, whatever, you know, one or A or I don't know. I can't remember how they class it. But and I was like, okay, where's the expert? And then they're like, well, we can't let you do that when you have to kind of go. I go, well, I want the one that's like right below the expert. Like, all right. So Sequoia's taking me on like Black Diamond, right? Whatever. And uh, level. So we get out there and I barely make it, y'all. And every, I don't know if you've noticed this because if you've never been whitewater rafting, it always ends. The final turn or the final drop has always been sponsored by like Satan. It's always called by, like, the devil's crack or, like, you know, Satan's doorstep, and it's how you, like, fall off, you know? And I'm like, why is Satan sponsoring the whitewater rafting trip? So we get over Satan's crack, we get down at the end, and uh, we get off, and it was a lot of fun, but, but 
But I remember standing on the, on the shores that day and looking at the, the shore. We were getting to the shore and talking to people. And there were a mixture of people. There were a mixture of people who went whitewater rafting and enjoyed it. There were a mixture of people who went water rafting and did not enjoy it. There were a picture of people who went, got on the raft, started, and then got off, said, sorry, this really isn't for me. I thought I wanted to do this. I didn't. And then there were people who were so scared they didn't even get on the raft. And I thought what was interesting is, is all of them were all different, but yet the river was the constant. Now, I, I will show, I'm going to share. I'm going to share. Now, why am I telling you all this? We are living in an unprecedented era where the presence of God is being poured out like none other in history. And you can look at history and kind of go, wow, man, there's, if you look at now, there's also evil and there's terrible things. Have you watched the news lately? Have you seen our Facebook feed? Yes, you're right. There's evil at levels we probably have never seen. And yet at the same time, we are seeing an outpouring of God's grace, God's faithfulness, and God's spirit like we've never seen before. We really have. In fact, right now, today is a great example. We're a church that's almost 10 months old and we're being able to live stream worldwide right now to every part of the world. That was not possible several years ago. And so when you look at it, you, you kind of go, wow, man, God's spirit is present. It's evident. It's available. But yet, everybody experiences it differently. Because the tension in our life is that you and I, and we make this, can I just, on behalf of pastors everywhere, I, we do people a disservice. Because in our good intentions, trying to reach you and connect you to God, because I believe and we believe as a body of believers that your best life is with Christ. It's just not a perfect life. And you're still going to have issues of feeling tension, the tension about when you give your life to God and still feel overwhelmed. You give your life to God and your prayers weren't answered. You give your life to God and someone didn't get healed. You give your life to God and you still lost your job. You give your life to God and you still lost out on that deal. You give your life to God and you still got a bad grade. You give your life to God and your sibling still won when you shouldn't have. And you, you see what I'm saying? And the tension could be, man, there's something wrong with the river when really it's something is wrong with you. That our overwhelmed feelings could be how we interact with the presence of God. Because my Bible speaks of God as not changing. That His presence and His Spirit is constant. And it's how we interact with that Spirit, I believe, will determine whether or not we feel overwhelmed. So in the final step today, as we wrap up our series, I want to give you three ways we can be effective on the water. And I'm kind of have fun with it, with using some of Sequoia's helpful suggestions on the water that I think could actually be a benefit for us as Christians to navigate the waters of our faith. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one is stay in the raft. I remember Sequoia walks up. He goes, all right, listen, pay attention. He's eating granola the whole time. And I'm like, this dude doesn't know what he's doing. He goes, all right, if you're going to enjoy the water, just check it out. I've been doing this for a while. Just telling you guys, if you want to enjoy the water, it's the number one rule. You guys just stay in the raft. I'm like, Sequoia, that's why we're here, all right? We, of course I want to stand there. He goes, no, I'm just, just telling you. We're going to get out in the water, and some of you are just going to fall off. I'm like, what? 
In fact, I'll give you an example. I'm going to show you a picture. Can I show you all a picture of me whitewater rafting? I'm going to show you a picture. This is me, picture of me whitewater rafting right here. This isn't a picture of me. This is, I've Googled this. So this is what, this is what the rat, this is what I was on though, okay? And he goes, and I'm watching people behind him on the raft and they're going down the river. And as he's telling me, some people are going to fall off. There was this dude who just fell off the raft that's in the river. I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is a bad idea. And he goes, if you want to enjoy the water, you better stay in the raft. Now, all of us come to God in the rivers of our faith. All of us have to do it. And really, we have all different levels. We all, some of us are ankle deep, and you're standing on the shore. Some of us are in it at our knees, and we're like, man, this kind of feels good. I, I think I could do this. You know, I, I, I kind of like this church, you know, but you don't come regularly. Maybe you're a priester. You know, you come on Christmas and Easter, and that's it, you know, and you're just kind of like, oh, so I got all my, my, what I feel like I can handle. And there's some of you are in with your waist, you know, and, and really in a lot of ways, symbolically inside of biblical literature, uh, anytime you get into your waist, it's kind of a picture of serving and having a servant mentality. Jesus wrapped a, a towel around his waist when he washed feet. Come on, y'all. See, all biblical scholars. So anyway, so like, he, he, you can get in and you're right and you're kind of you found family or, or you could be in over your head regardless of the way that it is I've just noticed that those who are in the raft in the river they had a better time and I believe this with all of my heart this is why I gave my life to the local church as I believe God established the local church as the raft to help navigate the waters of our faith I believe that with all of my heart it's why I gave my life to the local church. Look, I've been to college, like, like actual university college. I didn't need to become a pastor. I had a, I had a track. I was going to go become a lawyer or a politician. Some of y'all are like, that makes total sense. So I could have gone and done a ton of things, but I had such conviction in my life to think and to know that for you as a Christian and a follower of Christ, you have two options sometimes. You have a purpose and you have your purpose. And God's purpose for you, I believe with all of my heart, cannot be accomplished without the help of the local church. That a lot of us are just floating in the waters of our faith, and man, you're hitting some rocks, and it's not what you thought it was going to be, and it feels lonely, and it feels cold. Well, you need to get in the raft. You need to get in the local church. It is the hope of the world. God established it for you and for me. He actually is coming back for it. My, at the end of my Bible says he's coming back for his bride, the church, quote unquote. And I know that when I get married to my wife, two became one. It was a mathematical thing. So for people to say something like, I love God, but I don't like the church. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Now, I get what you're saying. The outpouring of it or maybe the fleshly or the man-driven version of that probably hurt you. And maybe there was an expression of that that you didn't relate to and didn't understand. But the purest form of the local church is the bride of Christ. And he established that for us to get to our purpose. That's why I gave my life, so that you could get to your purpose. I just want to get you to your purpose. And we have to stay in the raft. He said two ways we do that, Sequoia did. Sequoia was smarter than I thought. Sequoia said, you can stay in the raft. First thing you need to do, here's the first thing, how you stay in the raft. He said, the first thing you need to do is you got to anticipate the turns. He said, this thing's going to be turning and and we're going to go snaking down the river, and it's going to be up and down, and you're going to make a turn. And, and, and one of the best ways you can get and be tossed out of the, the raft is on the turn. Because your momentum is going one way, and then it turns, and then you, whoa, you out. 
And I was thinking about that. I was like, that's so good for us as a church, because if you want to stay in the raft and stay in the local church, you need to anticipate the turns. I love that Rise Church was started with change. We have never had a chance to get settled. We don't even have a building. Come on. We portable, y'all. We've never had a chance to get settled, get stable, get to, to not have it. There's change all the time. We started with our launch parties, and then we started and we launched our church, and then we had one service, and then we had to do small groups, and then we started a youth ministry, and now we have rise summer nights, and now we're going to go to two services, and then we, now we're going to, hey, guess what? We're going in the fall in about a month. Th- three services, and then you know what? Now, and you know what's funny about change? Change, nobody likes it except for babies and wet diapers. I get it. But the, the problem is, is that when you don't anticipate the turns, you're going to come in here, and the seat that you always sat in, Somebody's going to sit in it one day. <laughs> and you're going to walk up to it, and you're going to be like, uh, and you're going to have a moment where you're going to be like, there's a turn. And I've known churches that literally they split because they stopped printing church bulletins. You did what? And some of the easiest ways you can fall out of the local church is when the church makes a change. And we used it as a way to go, well, I guess I just didn't mean to be in it. I mean, I guess they just changed the way we do me. And I always challenge people, be careful you don't put your methodology on your theology. Which means how you see God is only the way that you've been actually given to, God, given God to yourself. So you grew up a certain way, and all you know is one way of church. And so in your mind, you don't know this. You don't know this. you got a sacred cow. And I like to kill him. And so you come in with your own methodology. It's not a theology. We agree on the God we serve. We agree on this scripture. I don't teach self-help. I don't give you my opinion. I give you God's. So we agree on theology, but we don't agree on methodology, which means how I deliver it or how we deliver it, because it needs to change over time. And that is godly. Paul was Roman to the Romans. Come on. That is biblical. Jesus adjusted his strategy. Do you know parables and came from? He used primarily um, uh, parables that were driven by uh, farmers. Do you want to know why? Because there were a bunch of farmers in the audience. He adjusted his methodology, did not adjust his theology. Why? So that he can be effective. And I'm telling you, one thing's going to happen that's consistent in this church is going to be change. Sorry, I love you. Group hug. And for you to stay in it, which is, again, your God-given purpose to stay in it, you need to anticipate the turns. Anticipate change. Change signals progress. I'm trying to get us somewhere. I'm not trying to stand on the shores of people's faith going like, isn't this good? Nothing's going on. Be careful you don't confuse biblical peace with inactivity. Because a lot of people, I hear a lot of people talk about like, man, I just, you know, I just, I didn't do it because I didn't feel peace. It's not my purpose. I don't think I should have done it because I didn't feel peace. I'm like, wow, you don't read the Bible. Because most people I know who are in God's purpose didn't feel peace. See Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I know what you're saying. You're saying, man, we need to have some level of peace. And there needs to be organizational peace. You need to have an ability to see through the clutter, to see through the fog and make a wise decision. But there's a difference between inactivity 
and peace. Some of us are sacrificing our purpose. You should be in the raft, and you don't want to get in the raft because you don't want any change. And you want to get in there, you're like looking at all the people going down the river. Like they look like they're having some fun. But you're on the river, you're on the seashore, just kind of go, hey, I just, I don't know, just cool here. I got the rocks and stuff, and ain't not a lot going on. And except you ain't getting to where you're supposed to get to. You anticipate the turns. You anticipate the turns. Second way he said, is he said, in order to stay in the raft, we need to adjust to the bumps. We need to adjust to the bumps. That life can just be bumpy. The river, the rivers of our faith. Come on, can we be honest? Isn't the rivers of our faith bumpy? Doesn't always work out. Doesn't always feel good. Sometimes when you're in that raft and you feel that bump, I mean, I remember being in it. We hit a rock. It wasn't comfortable. But life is bumpy. A spiritual life is bumpy. You need to know this. It's almost more bumpy because you're in a war. You have an enemy. Satan wants you to not make it to your purpose. Someone is after you, yes. We have an enemy. Life is bumpy, yet some of the most Peaceful people are the people who are in the raft, and they just adjust to them. They, they see the turns, and they adjust to the bumps. They feel it. They absorb it. They go, mm. you know, that's not what I would have planned, but I'm okay. I remember my third born, you know, Titus, at 21 weeks, my wife started bleeding. And you know, I'm a pastor at the time serving God. Have you ever had something go wrong with you in your life, and then you start reminding God in your prayer time of all the good things that you've done for him? Anybody else? Just me? Okay, we got one, two, uh, three. Okay, we got six truthful people. And so, I see that hand on Facebook. Um, And you're trying to convince God, God, this shouldn't be happening to me. I'm good. And, and, and I was in that moment where I'm like, God, I don't understand. I'm, your pa- I'm a pastor for your church. I'm trying to like, I'm like, I'm doing your work. God, why would this happen? And, and if you're not careful, the bumps can knock you out. Because it's easy in the moments of the bumpy moments to fall out of the church and get out of your purpose. And there's always going to be a bump. And, and you can't, you have to be, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. The, the life that we the life of a great Christian life, the, I think the greatest Christian life is one full of redeemed, bumpy moments. That God wants to redeem everything that was terrible in your life, that was supposed to kill you and hurt you, and the bump that was supposed to take you out is going to be the one thing that God reminds you He's with you in the raft. Stay in the raft. Stay in the raft. Number two. Sequoia went on to say after he had his 10-minute diatribe about staying in the raft, he went on to say, he said, number two is this, the way you stay in the raft or the way you navigate the waters of life, the way you have a good experience on this river is he said, you follow your guide. He made it very clear. He made it very clear who was the leader. And he said this funny thing. He goes, 
Listen, I know y'all probably like think you, or maybe some of you been on one raft before. Maybe you've been to the river. Maybe you've seen a picture of whitewater rafting. Hey, maybe you Googled about it. Maybe you watched it on YouTube. Guess what? You are not in charge. He's like, I'm in charge. Here's why. I'm responsible for you. I'm like, that's good. I wish you took a shower, but I mean, I get it. It's good. He goes, here's my goal as your leader, as your guide. My goal is to keep you safe, to give you a great experience, and to make sure you get to the end. To keep you safe, to give you a great experience, and to make sure you get to the end. To keep you safe, to make sure you have a great experience, and to get you to the end, to your purpose, to where you're trying to go. And I thought about that. I said, that's a great, isn't that a great analogy for people and leaders specifically in the church? That's my job. It's to keep you safe. Hope you have a great experience, but ultimately get you to your purpose. That all of us come into the local church. They will all come in, even me. That I come in and submit to my leaders and my pastors and my covering. And I have a purpose, but the purpose is to be a part of the body. In fact, the leader's purpose is outlined in Acts chapter 20. I want to read this to you. Acts chapter 20 says this. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. I think this is interesting. Pause for a moment. Side note, this isn't even in my notes, that if you're a leader, your first responsibility is to make sure that you're okay. Yourselves. Because if you ain't okay, ain't nobody okay. Those who you lead are affected by your leadership. So if you don't first have personal leadership, you in trouble. That's why I wasn't here last week. Spoiler alert. It's because I need a break. And I love you. But I need a break. So that I'm healthy. Come on, for you. Come on. So, 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 so here's what we don't do. Can I ask this of you as a church? Here's what we don't do. When pastor's not in the pulpit, we don't go, <sighs> or we don't go, wow, I wish I would have known that because I would never would have came. You don't come here for me. And some of you are like, amen, I don't come here for you. I'm just dealing with this right now. <laughs> but let's not be that church. So to yourselves and then to the flock, and then the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. So you're a leader. It says, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Again, it's all throughout Scripture the value of the church. How important is the church of God? It costs Jesus' blood. Checkmate. Anyway, so for us as leaders, we have a purpose. It's to lead the people, to keep them protected. My, my job biblically is as a pastor is to feed, lead, correct, and protect you. And everybody loves to get fed. Everybody gets, loves to get led. And everybody likes the protection. It's when I get into the correction part, it's when people start doing this. He said this one time. It was good. It's a good statement. He picked up an oar. looked like this. And he said, uh, he said, I'm your guide. It's my responsibility to keep you safe, you know, get, get you to the destination and have a great experience. He goes, here's how you do that. Paddle how you want, but don't let go and don't stop. 
I thought that was interesting how he said that. He said, you hold it like this, you paddle how you want, but don't you let go and don't you stop. Quite literally, a great example of what we do with our gifts in the church. Some of you in here are gifted. Some of you are strong. You buff. You go to the gym. You do that CrossFit. You get that swole action. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> you know? And uh, there were people like that in my raft. Some strong people. There was some not so strong people. There were some experienced people, not so experienced people. But what they, he was saying was, he says, everybody comes in at a different level and a different experience. You come in with your gift submitted to the leader. Here's why: the the greatest rafts are those filled with submitted gifts that all work together for a common goal. Come on, to get to a common purpose. That's what we do as church people. I want you to know my job as a leader is not to squash your goal or your gift. My job as a church leader, as a pastor, is to empower it, to guide it, to shape it, to correct it. So you can come in here and paddle how you want, but don't stop and don't let go. You're going to come in here with a gift. Maybe you're musically talented. Guess what? You don't come in here because you're gifted at your talent. You come in here as a son or as a daughter. First, as family. This is your place. So you don't, you don't, serve the Lord. You, by the way, you don't serve me. You serve God. You help me. You help us. You help the mission and vision here, but you don't serve me. You serve God. So if you're on the platform, you serve as a son and a daughter. This is your home, and you serve out of responsibility. You're not a servant who serves out of obligation. There's a difference. We all come in with a gift. You come in, and the gift, listen, you want to know how you know it's a gift? Is if it's a blessing to others. I know churches not this church, of course, that have people in it who come in and they're like, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm gifted. Let me give you my gifted list. You're lucky I'm here. You're welcome. I'm like, wow, I didn't know we had. I mean, you're powerful, man of God. Jeez. Should I take my shoes off in your presence? Like, And those are the guys who break up worship teams. Those are the guys who split churches. Those are the guys who have their own way. They're like, no, nah, my gift. I want to do what I want to do. I want to paddle how I want to paddle. I want to do what I want. No, 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 no. You, you join in our team. Well, I, this other church did it this way. That's great. I'm, I'm, that's awesome. They, they must paddle great. That's a, sounds like a great raft. Why'd you leave it? Oh, well, they didn't. Oh, well, you know, and I go, well, what are you going to say about me when you're done with the way we... Great churches are not built of talented people. They're built by submitted people who are here because they, I don't even, can I just tell you, I don't even come here unfettered. I submit my gift. I have a pastor. I have a board. I have accountability. We do church not the way I want to do. We do the church way, way God, vision, 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 vision. We got some place to go. And so I come in and I submit my gift. You come in and you submit your gift. When we do that, come on, church. When we do that, we are unstoppable. Sequoia said the best types of rafts are those who all paddle together. Come on, let's paddle together. We're going to paddle together. We're going to get where we need to get to. You need to ask yourself this question. Is my gift submitted for the benefit of the whole? 
Is my gift submitted for the benefit of the whole? The last one, I'm going to wrap it up. He kind of wraps up. Sequoia's like, all right, we're about to get on the water, but the final thing I want to tell you, he says this, he goes, you want to have a good time today? Help each other around you. Help others around you. Help others around you. He said, someone's going to fall out. And I was like, stop saying that. <laughs> I'm trying to stay in this thing. And he goes, when they do, help them. Now, I know that's like groundbreaking thoughts with Pastor Aaron this morning. But how many churches have you been to when someone fell out of the church? They didn't help them. They kicked them. Come on. Like, we're known as that. We, we eat our own. We, we kill our own kind. We compa- Somebody told me, like, oh, there's another church coming and plant. Are you, no, you must be nervous. I said, no, I'm going to give them money. We're going to help them. Send them helping people. Want that your competition? No, the devil is my competition. I hope they grow and I hope they blow it out. It's awesome. Great. Can we be the church when people fall out? You go get them. Go get them. Someone did fall out. It was my wife. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. She would have pushed me out. Um, oh, someone fell out. You know what happened? Everybody stopped. And all it was about was getting that person back in the raft. Can we be that church? Come on, can we be that church? Can we be the people who don't see somebody fall out of the church and go, well, they don't belong here. You know, I just... I'm convicted by that. I'm convicted by that. We're a home. We're a family. I hope we always grow so that there's always room at the table. There's always an open seat. Can you go get someone who falls out? Some of you in here were hurt by another church. Some of you were hurt by the raft. You, fought, you fell out. They kicked you out. Maybe you fell out. No one grabbed you. I want you to know my wife and I planted this church to minister to you. You can find home and healing and help here, not from us. You just want to create the environment where God can minister to you and speak to you, get you back in the raft, get you back into your purpose. You have a place. That what enemy did try to use to destroy you, come on, like what happened with Joseph in the Old Testament, that God's going to turn around for your good. He's going to redeem it. They, they, he thought he bumped you out. He thought he knocked you out your raft and your purpose. Guess what? Welcome home. So, Sequoia had some good vision that I think we could learn from as a church. We need to stay in the raft. We need to follow the, the guide, follow our guide, follow our leadership, submit your gift, and help others around you. And I want to give you a tangible step right now as a church, as I close, as I wrap up, on what we're doing in the next steps of our church. We are going to three services in September, uh, second week in September. So it's the week after Memorial Day, or is it Labor Day? Labor Day, Labor Day. Week after Labor Day, and... Uh, we're going to start a brand new series, and we're going to go to three services, and it's a change, but that's okay. This church is built on change, 
And there are some of you right now standing on the shores of your purpose, always wondering what it would be like to get a part of a church and jump into a raft. Today's your day. Some of you at your knees, some of you are in your, with your waist. Every one of us has a step to take. I'm as your pastor asking you to take a step. Okay, so if you're not a guest, if you're a guest with us in here and this thing, this is not your home, you're off the hook for a moment. But if this is your home and this is your family and you call me your pastor and this is your church, this is your home. God is calling us together corporately to take a step so that we can have room at the table for those who want to come in. Look around. This is the second service. We had a packed house, record-breaking house this weekend, this, this Sunday morning at 930. We're running out of room. In the summer, which is not normal. Churches shrink in the summer. We grew. Go figure. I don't know. I think God wants to do something. I think God has a vision here. I think God wants to take us somewhere. We got to collectively take a step. So I'm going to give you a step to take. I Next week, we are combining our next steps class. Typically, our next steps class, which is a membership slash kind of way to get in and start to get involved. So everyone you see who serves here, hundreds of people who serve here on a weekend, they all want a part of this next steps class. It's a two-part class, which is a first step is on the first week of the month. The second step is on the second week of the month. We are combining them next week. We're going to do Next Steps Express. Because we want to onboard as many people as we can into the vision and mission of this church so that we can go and get to our purpose. Come on. That's what we're going to do next week. So here's what we're going to do. There's a contact card, a communication card on your seat. Mr. Tyler, will you hand me that? It looks just like this, that, that contact card. Yep, perfect. Thank you, sir. looks just like this. It's on your seat. Find it. It's either next to you or on your seat next to you. What I want you to do is on the top or somewhere on it, just write in big, bold letters your name, and then write Next Steps Express. Put it in the offering, and we will contact you with your information on it. Put your cell phone on it or whatever you want to be contacted on, and we're going to get you signed up for Next Steps next week. We want it to be the biggest Next Steps that we've ever had. We want to blow it out. It's going to start next week. You can get all the details at our information center. You can get it online, but it's going to start Next Steps. It's going to be next week. And I want to give you the opportunities of where you could serve. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you the exact need right now. This is our need. Our worship team. Come on, worship team. If you're in here, make some noise. Come on, worship. We need six people on our worship team. So if you are gifted, which, by the way, you need to be gifted. Let's not be that church where you're like, I have a, you know, Bible says make a joyful noise. No, that's pretty much pretty accurate. It's noise. You need to have some talent. Hear my heart. I'm teasing, but it's true. Anyway, production. Come on, production team. You make some noise, production. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny about the production team? No one ever notices the production team, ever, unless there's something wrong. It's like, if it sounds good, the worship team was amazing. If it sounds bad, you're like, what's wrong with the sound guy? Give some love to the sound. Need six people there. Guest services. Come on, guest services. Let's go. Yeah. Y'all are the, man, the first handshake most people see. We need 12 people for that. Come on, Rise Kids. If you're out there, Rise Kids, you serving kids. Yeah, y'all, we need a lot. I got 12 kids back there myself. So um, we need 12 people. Ushers and safety. Come on, ushers safety. Yeah. Most of them are guys. Grr. Need six guys. Parking lot. Let's go, parking. We need people. Can I just tell you, that's one of the most important ministries in our church. 
Statistics show, I'll give you a little high side. I'm a leader, so church leadership guy. Statistics show that most people, most people, 90% of people make a decision on whether or not they're coming back to the church before they walk into the building and it started at the parking lot. So if you want influence, that's where it is. Anyway, next steps. Come on, next steps team. There we go, next steps team. We need three people for there and then youth. Come on, youth, let's go. If you're a teenager, let's go. We, uh, man, our youth ministry has been incredible. We meet on uh, throughout the week, and you need to get more information about it and connect with our team, Antonio and Miss Olinda. That's awesome. You can get them at Information Center. But we need about 59 people there. That's a lot of people. Everybody say, that's a lot. And one of them is you. Shake your head. I already asked God. You don't need to pray about it. He said yes. You know it. I'm just articulating your conviction. You need to get in the raft. Statistics show that those who serve regularly at a church are less stressed out. Statistics. I pastor less. I counsel less people who are, why? you want to know why? Because they're in their purpose. They're not floating in the water hitting rocks. They're not cold. And can I just say, if you are floating in the water, it's going to take a little bit of your effort to get out of it. It is. And that's my desire for you. I know you can do it. This is your time. Let's take a step together. Amen.